What protects shorelines from tropical storms, produces $36 billion in value for communities every year, and provides food and income for 100 million people? You might be surprised to learn that the answer is coral reefs. They're the lungs of our global system of oceans and seas, and without them, a quarter of all marine life would be without a home. But according to the United Nations, they're under serious threat. And that's why organizations like the Australian Institute of Marine Sciences, or AIMS, focus their efforts on reef conservation. They monitor and help protect one of the world's most famous reefs. It is, of course, the Great Barrier Reef. Hello and a warm welcome. I'm Anisha Tank, an investor, broadcaster and coach, and you are listening to the Accenture Enterprise Transformation Podcast. In this series, I talk to leaders from Accenture and their partners. Together, we explore how every part of every business can be transformed by technology, data and AI, combined with new ways of working and new opportunities for growth. It's really quite exciting. And I can... And I think you can imagine what we're handling in this episode. We're diving in to how AI and data is helping coral reef scientists safeguard the lungs of the ocean. So joining me today to explore this further is Dr. Manuel Gonzalez Rivero, or we're going to call him Manu for short. He's research team leader at the Australian Institute of Marine Science. Dr. Rivero is a part of the Coral Reef Monitoring Group at Ames, and his research includes how to capitalize on sustainable technology to fast track and upscale coral reef monitoring. Also joining us is Romain Grollo, Managing Director and ANZ Technology Sustainability Lead at Accenture. Roman believes that various technologies, including AI, cloud, and analytics, will have a key role to play in reducing carbon emissions. Roman will be able to tell us more about how Accenture's sustainable technology initiatives are making a positive environmental impact in the Asia-Pacific region. Okay, well, I'm going to start with Dr. Rivero, aka Manu. Now, I skirted over the extent to which coral reefs are threatened, but perhaps you could explain just how serious the situation is and why Ames's work is so important. Right, thank you, Manisha. As you explained it, coral reefs are hugely important in terms of the value that they contribute to the oceans. But probably one of the things that not many people know is that most of the fish that you eat and we all eat are actually coming from coral reef. And in some cases for countries and people that live near the reef, we're talking about millions of people, that's the actual only source of protein that they get. Corals or coral reef, like in the Graeber Reef, also provide an immense amount of resources for us to survive. And in the case of many other countries, like into the Pacific, Coral reef around the nearby the islands are actually protecting the coast. They're providing food and resources to sustainability of populations. Some of our medicines come from coral reef. Um, and importantly, they are representing our future in a way as a humanity. The challenge is that coral reef around the world have been changing dramatically over many years. The prognosis for the future is not looking good. And in the last 10 years, um, we have lost a significant amount of it. The scale of the reef, like the Graeber Reef, that is the size of Italy, uh, is changing and impacting the way how we live a lot faster than what we can actually manage the way how we do it right now. So we need to make actions very quickly. And for that, we need a lot of information to do that. So the work that we do at AIMS is actually um, provide the information, the science, the evidence that helps us as a community, as a government, uh, as a individuals to make decisions that better inform those 
actions that will protect the reef into the future. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for laying the foundation for my next question, because that's exactly it. How do you get all of that information? How do you process it? How do you use it to make a difference, right? Romain, I'd love to bring you in here on the conversation. Let's get to the bottom of why we're even having this conversation in the first place. So first of all, there was a hackathon, there's Accenture, there's Ames, there's the Queensland University of Technology. Oh my goodness, there are a number of spokes to this wheel. Could you please put it all together and tell us why we're here? Why are we talking about this? How have we ended up talking about this? Well, thank you, Manisha, and I'm very happy to be uh, here with yourself and, uh, and Manu. So let's uh, rewind a little bit. Back in 2019, around the time the Australian Institute of Marine Science started a project to improve uh, conservation, uh, Accenture uh, Global Research and Development and Flagship Innovation Center ran a uh, environmental sustainability-themed AI hackathon. And, and guess what? The winning idea was how do we use artificial intelligence AI to monitor analyze and protect coral reefs. So Ames teamed up with the doc and Accenture to tackle the challenge together, really kicking off a journey to transform how the scientific community approaches the conservation of this fragile marine ecosystem. But as Manu said, is so important, not just to the region, but to humanity in some way. So we, we teamed up to bring together the speed of cloud computing, the automation and the power to process large data sets provided by artificial intelligence, as well as the decision-making capabilities of data analytics into a single solution built with scientists, for scientists, with their need and users in mind. And so over the courses of 18 months, the team worked closely with the Queensland University of Technology, QUT, and coral reef scientists, conservation practitioners, and technology experts uh, across a various organization to design an open access tool that, that we call the Reef Cloud. Manu, Reef Cloud has this wide net of applicability. I mean, there are just, there's just so much information there that you can use, utilize, share, act upon. I think one of the most fascinating aspects of the technology is speed. So now you can analyze the state of a reef. What is it? 700 times faster than a human being could. You've got 90% accuracy. Well, that's really exciting, isn't it, for you? Because this is enabling you to do your job in a completely unprecedented way. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and, and look, if, uh, if I look back in probably five, 10 years ago, uh, thinking about this being possible, it, it was kind of something out of like a movie or something that very futuristic. And that's probably why it's so important to have the kind of partnerships with the likes of Accenture that allowed us to operationalize, to make that happening. And in a way that um, a technology that has already existed and been used for many different purposes is now being used and tailor-made for conservation. So just coming back to your point around the, the speed of it, um, as I said before, reef are actually changing really fast, much faster than we as scientists can actually detect that change and understand those changes. So we need to, we need a bit of help to be able to um, process that information faster than what we can do, but also in a reliable manner so we can trust that information to then digest it to inform decision making. So that's why Rift Cloud is becoming such an important tool because it does provide the vehicle for us to be a lot more efficient 
but also to shift a little bit the way how we operate as a marine science community, because we spend a lot of time analyzing images, but we need also a lot of time understanding the changes that are happening from, from those analysis in the communities. So we can then inform governments and local communities around the best practices for managing coral reef. So we need to actually really reallocate limited resources dedicated to science and conservation into a space that we can be much more impactful. So having AI technology in the cloud accessible to everyone allowed us then to be able to uh, be a lot more efficient and collaborate a lot more as a community. One point, Manisha, that I wanted to make out of this is that we've been talking quite a lot about the changes that are happening in coral reef. Um, but perhaps more importantly is that somehow those changes goes undetectively because we don't have the capacity to measure, to monitor the state of the reef. And you can't manage what you can measure really is you need to understand those changes. So technologies like Reef Cloud that are uh, very user-friendly, very adaptable to the way how we work, allows them now to bring others and, and connect with others to be able to measure and understand on the state of the reef on a much larger scale. So reef are distributed all around the world. So we need to actually really connect between us as a community. And the technology like this allowed us then to uh, not only work uh, with us as scientists in terms of the state measuring and monitoring the state of the reef, but it also allows to bring others like traditional owners in Australia, um, perhaps tourism operators in, in different organizations and, and remote islands that then can contribute for us to understand how reef are changing for us then to advise better about how to better reduce that rate of change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that alludes to a question I did want to ask you, which was how does it actually translate to protecting a coral reef? And how does it translate also to addressing that really quite worrying statement from the United Nations about the extent to which these reefs are under threat and talking about their possible extinction within a certain time frame? How does this sort of technology help you slow that down or perhaps even arrest that development and turn it around and create education, information for how we can we can basically save them. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, part of it is exactly what you're highlighting is um, is the, the access to information that then translate into knowledge and education. As I mentioned, without having information on how refer changing, we're just guessing in terms of what we can do about uh, management practices and conservation actions. Um, importantly, from all the different observations and predictions that we have from around the world, around the state of the reef now and into the future, we do realize that not every single coral reef around the world is behaving exactly the same. So we need to really understand um, how reefs are changing and, and in what manner and at what magnitude to tailor-made the actions that needs to be put in place to protect those systems. So I'll give you an example. There are certain reefs that are likely to be less affected by the impact of climate change into the future. Those reefs are very important for us to protect and manage from, in terms of the local activities that are happening there. So we can ensure that certain reefs are actually maintained and viable into the future. So we can actually recommend actions 
that are very specific about water quality management, fisheries management, but it all depends on the information that we get from the ground around what's the state of the reef and how it's changing. Therefore, monitoring is, is a central piece for us to really uh, address and uh, make informed decisions that will then allow us to preserve as much coral reef as possible around the world. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig into that a little bit more because there are ways that you can do it. One of them is imaging, so using video or photos. Uh, Roman, let me bring you in because I want to talk a bit about that now. I know that there is a project in the Philippines, it's called Corail, where we've seen a combination of AI, edge computing, to assist the scientists to research, monitor, restore the coral reef there. They collected, what was it, 71,000 images? Tell us a little bit about it and how all this critical information was processed. Sure, Manisha. So a little bit first on the first project we can call Corail. So it was more or less basically born at the same time in 2018, 2019, after one of our colleagues, a friend of mine, an avid diver and computer vision specialist at a light bulb moment during a, a diving trip in the Philippines. He and his team then basically built an artificial intelligence powered system for monitoring fish populations. And the system was deployed in a reef in the Philippines. So it's a, essentially an edge computing solution, a piece of hardware with some compute storage and strategic place smart cameras that are dropped in the ocean, equipped with one of our solutions, the Accenture Video Analytics Service Platform, running on the Amazon Web Services Cloud Platform. And basically the solution observed, classify, measures marine life, by detecting and photographing uh, life and using deep learning algorithms um, to classify the fish and count them. Yeah. Now back to Reef Cloud. Um, it follows a little bit similar principle as uh, Manu mentioned. It's a cloud-based web platform that is also hosted on the Amazon Web Services platform. It uses computer vision to analyze the reef photos and automatically extract, annotate, and share the data points like coral cover or reef uh, composition. And after analyzing the photo, what's interesting is the platform then adds the data to a human-centered design dashboard that we created together. And this dashboard enables essentially the users, uh, like the scientists and the conversationists, to visualize the data and pick up valuable insights and recommendations so they can quickly understand what the data says about the coral reef uh, health, essentially. But more importantly, I think what is really interesting is how the platform enables a democratized knowledge at scale. It standardized the data for rapid interpretation, reporting, and communication on the reef conditions across geographies, languages, and the different methodologies that are used to measure essentially the coral health. But where it's interesting is that the model was trained using the Australian Institute of Marine Science own reef monitoring program which contains thousands of photos and data points from the Great Barrier Reef. So it didn't start from scratch. And then the computer vision model is just one part of the equation, right? So Reef Cloud needs these uh, existing data, needs the new data and the technology, but it also needs people. Because at the end of the day, it's built for collaboration. It allows the world's reef monitoring community to come together and upload photos and work together in real time. And then the algorithm continues to learn with each images that are being added. So the more people are using Reef Cloud, the bigger impact it can have. Listening to you, I get this sense around that actually there are a lot of layers to this collaboration. Um, you've obviously identified a few of those, uh, but are we living in a new age where people realize that this collaboration, A, is necessary, but B, is very possible? Because it sounds like it is. 
I mean, back to the first point that was made around the collaboration, it's not just uh, AIMS and Accenture working together. We've got QUT involved, we've got the broader, uh, essentially the community participating and contributing and making the project evolve and continue to be even more impactful. And then learning from other programs like the Corail one, bring the SMEs from different technology and continue to improve it. And it really shows, I think, the collaboration between private sector, public sector, and research institutions all coming together for saving essentially a part of our planet. Yeah. I know that you have a long history, Romain, with, um, in this area, in this field, and the application of these technologies. Has there been a moment when you've gone to a meeting with your partners or you've gone to a conference or something like that, where you've just had that, that moment, that sort of goosebump moment where you thought, wow, we've really done something amazing here. Like we've leveraged this in such a way that I can feel really fulfilled that we've done something really good. Well, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the point here is that we do a lot of work in sustainability, right? We work on energy transition. We work on electrification of transport and all of these different parts of the sustainability kind of landscape is extremely important. But here, what the team is able to do is to really get hands-on to solve a problem that we know have been a long-standing problem to make direct impact and bring people together because no, no one can really solve these problems alone. And so seeing the impact that technology can make and the ability to get the broader community to build it together is absolutely fantastic. And we could go into more detail around how the technology is kind of uh, leading in terms of being able to be reused for a number of other areas later. Um, but this is fantastic. This is very fulfilling, as you said, probably this is the right word as a technologist to see that the technology is used for good and is making a direct impact. And this is making the world a better place. Manu, I get a sense that you have a view on this as well. Do you want to contribute? Yeah, no, I, I thank you. Um, I just wanted to share something that to me was a little bit, a bit of an eye opener through this process was that, you know, for me, it was that we recognized the challenge that we needed to make uh, information more readily available. And that was clear for everyone. Now, the challenge that I didn't realize was the technology exists there and it's been used for many different purposes. So like, you know, face recognition been out there for quite a while. Uh, and we thought, well, this is just simply putting the pieces together and make it available for everyone. What I didn't realize from the work with Accenture is that many pieces go behind it on what actually makes a system fit for purpose, usable and accessible in a way. So um, Accenture has not only just brought to us the expertise and the AI technology, but also sort of how do we make that information, that tool, useful for everyone. This, we're talking about graphic designers, we're talking about communicators, we're talking about uh, how do we visualize um, data and information in a way that everyone can understand and make it uh, make use of it in a very easy way. So it's been a long process, but for us it's been a, quite a, a bit of enlightening in terms of understanding that behind all this, it's not just the technology itself, it's, it's how do we bring together all this pieces of expertise that needs to happen for it to be fully useful and applicable. Yeah, it's fascinating actually listening to you both 
to understand how this has all come together. And in fact, I had a question on that for you, Manu, because you've got all these photos and now you've got insight that you didn't have before or insight that might have taken you years to get. Uh, but now you've got it at your fingertips. And not only that, it's at the fingertips of all of your contemporaries all over the world. And you can all talk about it. It's kind of bringing you together as well, giving you that extra community dynamic, shareable information in the cloud. It's actually a really exciting idea. I wondered, has there been a point using the Reef Cloud system that was most valuable? Can you give us an example where you made a breakthrough perhaps? Oh, yeah. Um, I got quite a few, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you some of them. Initially, we thought that, well, that point about making data accessible was already quite a, a big breakthrough, uh, particularly around us community, because, you know, we work in very remote areas. So having access to that information was, is already a breakthrough in, in many different ways. But when you start directly with communities, scientists and managers in specific locations across the world, you start realizing that also the challenges that we faced in the, in one part of the world are not applicable to the other parts of the world. I'll give you an example. Um, for instance, the Palau International Coral Reef Center is our one of our main partners that help us design this, these systems uh, with a view of being applicable. And by working with them over years, we start realizing that they have a way of capturing data every two years to ensure that there's a continuity over many, many years and understand how systems are changing over the longer term. But because the changes that are happening in the reef are happening so fast, we happen cyclones or typhoons and, and bleaching events, means that the amount of effort that their team has to put in to be able to document this is a lot higher than what they can feasibly do because you know, there's a limited amount of people that can work on that. There's a limited amount of resources. By working with us with Reef Cloud, they then agree or, or, or let us know that by utilizing the technology that we're providing, making it faster for them to analyze the data, it means that they can now relocate the resources to maintain and keep up the way that they are monitoring the state of the reef over a longer term without jeopardizing the integrity of the data. That to me is, is fascinating, but super important. It has a lot of value because it means that then uh, we are recognizing that we are living in very challenging times, but technology can help us alleviate some of the pressures. Perhaps another one is the fact that COVID impacted us. Um, at that point, when we were all in lockdowns, there were a lot of concerns around the, the science community that we couldn't continue the monitoring and the evaluation of the state of the reef. And breaking that continuity can have significant impacts in our understanding of the changes that are happening. So there was a, a need to do it, but there were physical barriers for us to actually be in the reef and, and monitoring that. One of the values or, or the opportunities that came from working with Reef Cloud was that immediately we could engage with uh, marine scientists and, and tourist guys that were in remote islands in Fiji. Fiji has over 300 islands where each of those islands were in lockdown, but they had marine biologists or tourist guys in those islands. So immediately we could actually reach out to them by internet, guide them how to collect the information that we needed to collect. And then they could upload it to the cloud so we could actually continue doing the monitoring. So what this meant is that that physical barriers that 
COVID imposed in us a community to, to mobilize across the world was actually now overcame by the fact that the cloud and Rift Cloud allowed us then to connect to others in different parts of the world that could continue doing the work that we meant to have done. And, and therefore, we maintain the integrity of that monitoring long-term history. Yes. And, and you gave those people in the community an opportunity to contribute, which I think actually was also a very important aspect for them, you know, in such difficult and trying times. Absolutely. And and part of this is that that opportunity, it, it goes beyond um, tourism operators. We, we're now talking to local communities in, in remote islands that are actually for history for millennia been managing their own resources and coral reef now have the opportunity to also contribute to that bigger picture, but also, as Romain say, have the opportunity to also utilize all the tools that are not just the, the machine learning tools that we offer in Rift Cloud, but the dashboard that provides information back to them and empowers them with knowledge to be able to manage the Rift more promptly. Okay, we're going to be wrapping up soon. Um, I cannot wrap up without talking to you, Roman, about how you take this experience. There is just so much opportunity of what we can do with technology. What have you learned from this example and how do you see further application? There is uh, so much that we've learned from this and putting all the other experiences to really make a broader impact. So maybe I'll cover a few points that I think are important in terms of what we've learned and how to utilize it. First, yeah, I think the use of technology that I use on Reef Cloud, absolutely transformative in terms of um, impact that we can make on, on climate goals and sustained development goals and objectives. And so really the technology is there to, to make an impact. The second is if we look at data and AI, um, they, they have a powerful role to drive several types of sustainability efforts, right? Ranging from energy transition, resilient agriculture, um, sustainable commodity sourcing, and all of these areas that are sitting in basically in food and agriculture. But also, if you look at other industry, like, I mean, if you look at financial services organization, how do you spot market trends and risk that are tied to climate change, energy resources and commodity availability, and then looking at it from a government or a public services perspective with defense and intelligence organizations that are making informed decisions using data and AI that are pertaining to energy security, food security, and other mission critical, essentially, decision-making areas. So the impact is wide and deep. I think the, the point is we talk a lot about, oh, we need an extra set of technology. We need another silver bullet to fix the world's problem. We're going to have fusion energy helping us with energy transition. But realistically, the technology available today, if we use them appropriately across a right range of areas, we can make a significant impact and meet our goals, right? So the technology are there, they're operational, they're scalable. There are other solutions that exist that were not available maybe 10 years ago, but they're available now. And you can run this in a cost-efficient manner in order to have a business case, not just from achieving the sustainable goal, but a broader business case. Yeah. The third point that I mentioned here is probably around the first, we talked about this hackathon, right? So don't underestimate the butterfly effect here, where hackathon, a group of engineers and business analysts came together to put their brains together to utilize the latest technology to solve one environmental problem. Look where we landed and a global community collaborating to contain and repair the 
devastating consequences of human activities and, and everyone is working together to solve it. And I want to finish on a point I hinted at earlier around the private and public sector collaboration that we've had on ReefCloud. I think if we want to really reduce the impact of environmental damages, recover and rebuild more quickly and, and lay the foundation for greater resilience, it's not just about fixing problems. We need public sector, private sector, research, education, social enterprises to really deliberately work together to strengthen this social environmental innovation ecosystem that is powered by technology. Absolutely. And at a recent conference, we talked about the sustainability journey and the challenges we face. And somebody made a very important point, which was that technology exists. What we need to do is use our creativity and scale it and scale it fast. So I think this is a fantastic example of how exactly that is happening. Gents, we do need to wrap up, but any any last comments from either of you? Manu? Well, this has been a very interesting experience. So I really appreciate the opportunity to bring us together to discuss um, this very important topic. But my last remark will be that, um, as you said, we, we are in a very um, challenging times. Technology is there. Uh, we need creativity. But at the same time, we um, this is actually probably the best time that we can find uh, the spaces to bridge across um, research to private sector to public sector. So uh, there is hope and uh, we just need to simply continue innovating and, and exploring those ideas that will actually eventually get to the point where we can apply them and make a difference for the world. Thank you. Thanks for that, Manu. And uh, Roman, anything? I'm sure you're going to echo that last comment from Manu about that. Yeah, I mean, there is hope. I think that's uh, that's the key message. The picture is quite often painted in a very bleak way of where we are. And But when we look at this kind of program and a number of others that are making quick impact, uh, there is hope. So I'll finish on this positive note. Excellent. Well, I'll go one step further. I'll say not just hope, I have trust. Having met the two of you, spoken to you and learned more about this work that you're doing together in your partnership, I definitely have trust that there will be scalable, positive change coming our way. Okay, I've got to wrap it up there. Thank you again to both of you, uh, Dr. Manuel Gonzalez Rivero and Mr. Roman Grolo. It's been an absolute pleasure. And it's been great having you with us, the audience. We've learned about so much today about applying technology for sustainable solutions something from which all of humanity benefits. Now, if you have any feedback or questions about this podcast on enterprise transformation or the topics that we've discussed today, you can contact us at accenture.com forward slash AI. This podcast is produced by EI Studios, the custom content division of Economist Impact. Thank you.